0: Hello, this is the third of a series of podcasts by Wrigley's concerning the new general data protection regulations and their impact on charities. My name is Pete, and I'm here with my colleague Duncan, and we will be looking at how do you know what data you're holding and what you should be doing with it. So far, as well as an introduction to the new general data protection regulations, we have looked at what you should be doing to get ready for those regulations when they come into force next May. What we need to know before we go any further is really to understand what data the regulations actually apply to. Some charities may be fully up to speed with how to handle people's data under current data protection regime. But for our purposes here, let's start with the basics. What is data as far the regulations
1: are concerned? Okay, Pete. Sitting as you might be at your desk, you will have lots of different sets of data around you. You'll have an internal phone list pinned to your notice board, a spreadsheet on your laptop, perhaps with details of supporters who you regularly email newsletters to. You might have business cards in your desk, draw, and some scribbled notes. Certainly I do. These are all data in its commonly understood sense. But are they to be regarded as data as far as the regulations are concerned. The regulations apply to the processing of personal data wholly or partly by automated means and to the processing not by automated means of personal data which is or intends to form part of a filing system. So from this we can see there needs to be automation or filing involved, there needs to be some form of system and there needs to be processing of that information. So if we go back to our desk example, the requirements count out the business cards and the scribble notes and they almost certainly rule out the phone list. However, the spreadsheet on the laptop seems to be a different matter. Now most charities hold huge amounts of such spreadsheets or client relation management systems in electronic form. A good deal of the work that now needs to be done is about finding out about these data sets. Now much of what's been written about the regulations so far, as charities are concerned, has focused on fundraising. And that's perhaps understandable given the importance of personal data in approaching would-be supporters for fundraising purposes. However, many other operational areas will hold data that might be regarded as personal data and which will fall under the regulations. This could be to do with campaigning, marketing, with beneficiaries or with volunteers. And no matter how small your organization working out what might look like a set of personal data can be difficult. And at Wrigley's we've gone through this exercise ourselves and we found it really helpful to set up a working group at the outset with people from different parts of the firm in different practice areas to find out what data we hold and we've also involved not just legal advisors but also those in HR, in finance and in IT so we get a global view of the firm and the data in its broadest sense that it holds. So I'd suggest that if you haven't already done this, you get a group together, think through your organisation and its operations, put together a questionnaire to get further information from your trustees, from your employees and volunteers. And here again, in, in the firm here, we asked about whether certain categories of information were held, from pretty basic stuff, names and addresses, to more detailed, whether we hold information on children or family members or their assets. We've also asked about whether we hold more sensitive data and more about that in a short while. We've also asked about how the data was held, is it in hard copy, is it electronic, is it on-site or off-site, is it on our website or is it somehow available via social media. You'll also need as part of this information audit across your organisation to identify the data you process and how it flows into through and out of the organisation. Once you've gathered all this information you should then be in a position to identify all data sets relevant uh, for the regulations. That will then help you determine the lawful basis on which you are or on which you want to be processing each data set. That in turn will then help to inform the drafting of your consents, your privacy policies and other data protection documentation.
0: Thanks Duncan. Um, I suppose in some cases it is obvious that data is personal, but on a more complicated basis, what if there has been some form of anonymisation of the data in hand?
1: Well, to be categorised as personal data, the information must allow you to identify the person either by itself or in combination with other information that might be available to you. If you know who the person is or can work out who they are then the data protection regulations apply to what you're doing now and will continue uh, in the future. If you're using data that identifies someone it allows you to distinguish one individual from another then the data is personal data. If the information is genuinely anonymous, so you don't know who the information is about, then data protection doesn't apply. However, you need to bear in mind that what may seem anonymous to you must be able to survive the attention of whoever might have access to the data. So, for example, if you publish an anonymous case study about a beneficiary of your organisation, you put it on your website or in your annual report, it must be done in such a way that it shouldn't be possible for someone else to work out who it relates to.
0: Okay, so Duncan, you've said that personal data means any information from which a person can be identified. Does
1: that mean that all personal data is treated equally? No, the current data protection laws and the new regulations both identify a difference between certain basic personal data, names, addresses, phone numbers, bank account details and the like, and so-called sensitive personal data. Now, sensitive data is information about someone's racial or ethnic origin. It might be about their health, whether they've been involved in an offence, or about their political beliefs, or whether they're a member of a trade union. Sensitive data also covers religious beliefs or details of a person's sex life or their sexual orientation. And that's always been under the um, data protection uh, laws. However, the new regulations also introduce additional sensitive data categories of uh, genetic or biometric data of a person. Now, the grounds for processing sensitive data under the regulations broadly replicate those under the current data protection laws, but they have become a little bit more restrictive. And we'll look at processing of data in one of the later podcasts and the different processing requirements for standard data and sensitive personal data.
0: This is really interesting. So, So to sum up, it sounds as though there is not too much change from the current Data Protection Act in terms of what is actually classed as personal data and what
1: is classed as sensitive personal data. That's right. A good deal of the regulations do follow on from the provisions of the Data Protection Act, but it is true to say that the uh, the regulation's definition of personal data is now more detailed. And really this reflects um, much of the change in technology from uh, when the previous legislation was put in place. And one area that is going to be different um, is that information such as an online identifier, for example an IP address can be regarded as personal data. So for most organisations that keep HR records, customer lists or contact details the change of the definition is likely in reality to make little practical difference Um, and you can assume that if you hold information data now that falls within the scope of the Data Protection Act then it's also going to fall within the scope of the new regulations. But, as I've said, there are some extensions um, under the new regulations and care should be taken about those uh, when you're looking at your data sets. So just one final point and a common misconception about uh, data. It's worth being aware that just because data is about a a person in the public domain, some famous individual or someone who's well known, it doesn't mean it's then exempt from the regulations. Data protection isn't about locking information away, it's about regulating and controlling how personal data about individuals is used by others. So you've got to treat that information about the high-profile supporter of your charity, whether it's a a benefactor or a patron, in just the same way as for any other person.
0: Duncan, thank you very much for that. Now that we have an idea about what data we hold, next time we'll be looking at what consent you'll need and whether the consent you have in place are indeed fit for purpose.